Hey, good morning. Man, I don't know about you guys, but every, every week of this series, this, uh, this bumper's just been really cool. Uh, really cool. I mean, I don't know if you, our, our creative team is just amazing, and in particular, if you know Abigail, she put a lot of work in on this, and you ought to, if you know her, you ought to tell her, good job, because it's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, and um, I don't know, always uh, it just kind of set the mood for this discussion that we're having about what, uh, what Christmas is really about and these different names that are in the genealogy of Jesus. By the way, I'm Mark. Uh, probably supposed to say that at the beginning, but um, yeah, and I did. I just uh, late uh, Wednesday evening uh, got back from a trip to Thailand, and in case in case you haven't been to Thailand, it's just a long ways. You know, I, I, it's, I've I've been there several times from the states, and it's I mean it's fourteen hours. Uh, you know, you can't just go straight from X and A straight there. Uh, you got to go to Houston first or somewhere, and then and then it's fourteen hours to Tokyo, and then you still got another seven hour flight after that. And I'm just always reminded, man, this is just a it's just a long ways. And then you realize, oh yeah, oh it is the other side of the planet. Exactly, and so you know it. it, it yeah, it, sh- it should take a while, right? I always uh, am reminded when I uh, went through kind of the history of, of missions, and you read some of those old stories about people who got on boats and it took them five months and had to fight all of the elements to get to a place. And then you're like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess e- eating bad food on a plane and you know having bad coffee is not that that tough. You know, it's tough, but it's not that bad. Um, you know, one of the things, uh, if you, a few, I guess, a few months ago, the McCalls who live in Thailand were actually back, and so if you knew them and got to interact with them, or if you didn't, maybe you got a chance to meet them out in the lobby, but um, one of the reasons that I went was just to go spend some time with them, and it was just really encouraging. That's the first time I had been able to see, you know, their work, and uh, the people specifically, they've got a business that they've employed a lot of people, and it's really cool to meet the people that they work with and their other partners um, and just to see them in their element, you know, in their place. And, um, but one of the things that caught me, I knew they would be encouraged and they, they were excited, uh, to, to welcome me and for me to be with them. But, but I realized late night, uh, we were staying up just, just talking and hanging out, uh, how much it, it means. And just imagine when you're that far away and separated from the people that you care a lot about, and just to have somebody come and look you in the eye and say, hey, the Grove, the Grove loves you. <laughs> uh, we see you. <laughs> we, we care about you. It just, it just means a whole lot. And, um, and so I'm, I'm thankful that uh, you guys made that possible. I was able to go and spend time with them. And then I also went to another part of the country. There's a, a larger group, about 40, that, that we support big, and uh, they work in South Asia, but they they come to Thailand once a year for visa purposes, but then also just to do training and got to spend a lot of time and counseling with them too. And it was, it was good. In fact, uh, honestly, uh, getting up early, staying up late, and at some point about halfway through, you guys must have been praying. Somebody was praying because it was kind of miraculous. I was, I was still awake and doing good and feeling good. And then I was like, man, it's going to crash. At some point, the miracle's going to end. <laughs> and I'm going to feel it. And that's what it felt like coming back. So uh, it was a great trip. And and something that just seemed like a theme for me throughout the trip is, uh, you know, being in these places that are far away, but on the, the plane, in the airport, at the hotel in the background, these songs that we're singing were playing. Just mostly just, just the instrumental version, you know. But... And, you know, in one sense, that, you know, that's cool, you know, that's something familiar. Uh, it's cool that these, these songs, maybe uh, it looks like everybody else seems to recognize this song as well. 
But when you really look at the numbers, you know, right now, like uh, when I was in Japan, I mean, uh, the, the numbers, the percentage right now of the population of Japan that are true followers of Jesus, they estimate at 0.5%. Thailand, it's a little bit better, it's 0.6%. And so you've got, you've got a, a lot of people that recognize that song, but when they hear it, what do they, what do they tie it to? And we're not just talking about Here Comes Santa Claus. I mean, they, they, they were these songs. They, they, they tied to the, the Western holiday, the, holi- the holiday that we celebrate, where you give gifts and there's the big jolly guy with the beard. And, you know, that's what they're tying it to, but not, not to our Jesus. <laughs> and there's something really different about that, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of holidays on the planet. Uh, I mean, you've probably celebrated some other ones. I love the holiday in India, Diwali, man. It is a party. You know, it's, it's really cool. But, and, and I've redeemed it even. It's the celebration of the light overcoming the darkness. And so when I think about Diwali, I'm like, oh, yeah, the light that overcame the darkness. But these holidays don't have any power if they're not tied to something that means something, right? And this holiday means something. It's not just about the gifts. It's about this, this Jesus and, and what he's done. And when your perspective is different, you walk through these days, you walk through uh, next Sunday, and, you, and, it's, just, and it's just different. Something else, I don't know if you guys remember this, 2004 in Thailand, a tsunami hit shore, um, which this is, I, I, it's hard to even believe, but they say the, the wave was uh, 100 feet high, traveling 500 miles an hour. Let me double check that again. Yep, that's what they say. Uh, and in a matter of minutes, it killed uh, 230,000 people. Um, and... I, I, you know, I hadn't really, I wasn't really thinking about that, and I was, I was in the car going to the hotel that we were staying at, and in the very place that it hit at the su- southern tip of the, the, the country, and when we were going up to the hotel from the market area, there was this steep climb, like the, the car was, was having trouble making it up the hill, and I had the thought that you would have, oh man, I'm going to be having to climb this hill every day. <laughs> I'm gonna be tired, man. This 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 is not just this is a this is a hill. And about halfway through the trip, somebody made the statement, "Oh man, I'm glad our hotel is on this hill, in case another tsunami came." And I thought, "Oh yeah, boy, I, I'm I'm glad too. <laughs> I don't want to be at the bottom of the hill. I want to be at the highest point, the highest peak, you know." And it's crazy how just that fast the the change of perspective. Uh, really does make you look at things differently. And so as we've been walking through these different stories, I'm hoping, uh, I know it has for me, I'm hoping it's given us some perspective as we walk through these days of how significant this Jesus is and how big this celebration is. And so we've been looking at at Matthew chapter 1 as we're walking through these these different names in the genealogy of Jesus. And we'll pick up verse 5, and it says, And uh, Salmon? Salmon? Had somebody tell me there's probably some 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 uh, I don't know, uh, but uh, Simon the father of Boaz, which you guys talked about last week, by Rahab. And so again, another another name called out. Uh, and what is the significance of this story? Why why is it why is it big? Well, um, in Joshua chapter two, we'll see. Uh, under the command of, of the Lord, Joshua is leading Israel into the promised land. And in verse 1, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, 
go view the land, especially the city of Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab uh, and, and lodged there. Rahab, a prostitute. And so it calls it out specifically, and it's, it's repeated over and over again to make sure that we, that we understand that that's, that's, that's who Rahab was. And, um, and you know, I, I, if my, my little girl Darcy came up and said that, uh, that her plan, when I say, what do you want to be when you grow up? She said, I want to be a prostitute. That would make me real happy, right? Um, you know, we, we, I told you not long ago, Terry and I went to, to see the, the play of, of Pretty Woman, the movie, the, you know, and, you know, that's, that's, oh, yeah, it's a love story, and Julia Roberts, and it looks really, you know, but it's, it's not when you really think about it. Thailand is another example. Thailand is, um, each year, 500,000 sex tourists go there. Uh, the GDP, uh, it's like $25 billion a year spent, 12% of the GDP in Thailand. It's one of those places that's, in fact, I almost feel like, when you're on the plane and when you get off, uh, as an American guy, I almost want to wear a sign that says, I'm not here for the sex trade. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so you can, you can try to clean it up, but the truth is, man, Rahab, what is the story? We don't get much of that. What is the story that brought her to the place that she is making her way as a prostitute in the city of Jericho? And when you hear that, what, what does it do? Does it make you think less of her? Like, oh, man, like that's in, in the rankings of the worst occupations you could have, the worst things you could do. Where, where does it rank? Or does it make you think what, what is in her backstory that brought her to this place? The truth is that Rahab was as innocent as anyone in Jericho. There was an impending doom. Israel was coming, and they were bringing destruction. And she was as guilty or as innocent as anyone else. And I think that's really important. You know, sometimes I've thought about this as I've thought in my own life and talked to people about sin and, and where, where does sin come from and the decisions that we make that are, that are sinful things that we choose to do when we, when we go away from God. And you know that we can start to rank things between me and you. Are, are my sins worse than yours? Is Rahab's sins worse than ours? But the truth is, all of us, sin has separated us from a holy, perfect God. And so the comparison, me to you, doesn't really matter. The comparison is God and his perfection. And if I'm going to be close to him, if I'm going to be with him, I'm going to have to be God-like. And that's just not something that, that I can do, that I can do on my own power. One of my favorite verses related to this is Isaiah 53, 6. Because of the way it describes it, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us in this room, out there, on the other side of the planet, all of us have, have chosen to go our own ways. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Romans says, all have sinned, every one of us. And so the comparison that we do one to another, that we still do, even people who have uh, been following Jesus for a long time, I, you, you can just tell we, we, we pair ourselves and compare ourselves one to another. And and just like everyone in Jericho was in trouble, uh, just like Rahab, we are all in trouble. And uh, it made me think, uh, on, the way, come, on the way coming back, one of my flights got canceled. 
And so you could tell everybody's scrambling there at the gate trying to figure out what we're going to do because the flight's canceled and what are we going to do and how are we going to find a different route. And it didn't matter if the guy who had paid $10,000 for the first class ticket, <laughs> you know, that he had the, the whole setup and the, those little cocoons of perfection that you walk through whenever you see the first class, first class place. Or if somebody got on cheap, cheap trips or got it handed to them for free and was sitting back by the bathrooms. didn't really matter. Everybody on that plane was going to have to find a different way. And you know what? That wasn't going to cut it. <laughs> you Nobody was going to flap their arms fast enough to be able to fly back home. Everybody was going to have to find an airplane, right? And in the same way, all of us, man, we, we can try to do this all we want, but our own perfection just ain't going to cut it. And that's what makes this, this Jesus so incredible, the answer. And... Uh, he goes on to tell the story. So the king of Jericho, he finds out that the spies are there, and uh, specifically that, they, that they're men from Israel, and they've come to spy on us. And, and he sent word to Rahab to turn them over. And, and she, she said, well, uh, yeah, those guys, they, they came. I didn't know where they were from, and they've already gone. And so, so she hid them. And then it says in verse 8, before the, the men lay down, she came to them up on the roof where she had hid them and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us. All the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. And she goes on to talk about how they had gotten word about what happened at the Red Sea. And they had heard about these other kings that they had already taken out. And she's saying that they're afraid. All the, all the people of Jericho are afraid, which is a little bit different. Again, the VeggieTales version of this, it seems like the peas up on the, on the top of Jericho are kind of talking smack. I don't know. This doesn't give... To me, I think the, the peas are up there shaking. They're scared, right? Just remember that. The peas are afraid. Uh, and it goes on to say, verse 11, and... As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, uh, which is just a great play on words, right? I mean, like, you, you've seen when somebody's heart, maybe your own heart, just, just melts. You know, most of, for our family, uh, most of the Saturdays between November and February, we're in, in gyms watching wrestling tournaments. And uh, it just is what it is. We were there all day yesterday and love it and hate it at the same time. It was just a long day. But... Uh, but one of the things, if you've never seen a wrestling tournament, that you know the two athletes will go up to the table and sign in for, for the match, and you know it goes by weight classes, and so you're you're waiting and you're kind of getting ready and warming up to go, and and your opponent, who you may or may not know who he is, I mean he's he's also he's so you start to look around like, hmm, all right, that guy's kind of warming up, he's taking off his sweatshirt, maybe. Maybe that's the guy I'm going against, you know? And you start, you start sizing, sizing him up, man. You think, think that's a guy I could take? Or is he better than me? And if you've been around the sport a while, you kind of know. You're looking at his shoes. I mean, that's not a newbie's shoes. That dude, that's the, that dude's the real thing. And the way they wear their singlet, you know, this tight outfit. And uh, if they're pulled down, in fact, the guy said this yesterday. They were trying to help one of our guys. He had his legs pulled down all the way, which already, y'all, this thing's skin tight. I'm like, man, I would not want to put that thing on anyway. And when we, we first got into the sport, we were like, oh, I don't know if we want our boys wearing their, their underwear out in front of all the peoples. Uh, and then the more you're in the sport, man, they pull their legs up and they, they get it like three sizes too small. And it's like, that's the thing. And so when you walk up and a guy's like that, and he's all, you're like, oh, your heart. I've seen guys. Yesterday, I saw a guy, his heart just, it, I could, it melted. 
he melted. He looked and he was like, I, I can't beat this guy. And so he walked out on the he walked out on the mat, kind of like, uh oh, my doom, my impending doom is happening. You know, that's what Jericho is doing. They're like, oh. I mean, this, in fact, did you see what she said? I know that the Lord is giving you to the, to the land, and everybody melts. And then she goes on here to say, uh, there is no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. Rahab responds unlike anyone else. Everybody's afraid. She recognizes, man, that God is big, and he deserves to be feared. And I, I, I want to be with you guys. <laughs> I, I realize that, that, it, that he's the only way. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, all the power went out in our neighborhood. Uh, I think there was a car wreck. Somebody hit the, the, one of the uh, power lines. And in the whole area, the power went out, which I was with a buddy watching the Kansas City Chiefs game. And he's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. And our biggest problem was trying to figure out how we would watch the game, you know, first world stuff. Uh, we're trying to light up candles and figure it out. But, but everybody, you know what happens. Everybody walked outside their doors and started looking around like, is it just our house or is it all the houses? And all of a sudden, the neighborhood's alive. Everybody's talking and looking. And, and there was, all the lights were out, but there was one house at the end of the driveway or at the end of the neighborhood that the lights were on. Found out later, uh, a friend of ours, that, that that lady, when she bought the house, she also bought the generator. And she was proud of it, too. She's like, yeah, all y'all's lights are out. Anybody want to come by and have something to drink? I got power. I got lights. Uh, So, but she made the decision, hey, this is going to happen. And I'm making the the decision that, I don't know, maybe there's somebody in here who has also done this. I know I haven't. Uh, To say, I'm going to do the thing that nobody else is. I'm going to buy the generator. And that exclusivity uh, is something that, it seems to be a hiccup. You know, like, why is, why is this Jesus? Why is it, why is it only Jesus? Man, there, there are a lot of ways, right? I mean, the, the two places I just mentioned, there's uh, ancestral worship is a big part of, of what people do. They, they care. I mean, I was talking to somebody that's like, yeah, there's no nursing homes or anything like that because, because there's this worship of our ancestors. We're, we're taking care of them. Everybody's basically rolling off of karma, right? I'm going to treat people well, and I'm going to try not to do the bad things. I'm going to try to do the good things. And the good stuff's going to come back around to me, which is not all that different than practical belief systems right around here, right? And and what's good for you is good for you, and what's good for me is good for me. And so why does it have to be exclusive, this Jesus? Well, that's fine if if we can do this. (laughs) But if we can't do this... And if the holiness of God is something that can't be achieved on our own power, then it's going to require that this incredible God makes it possible by his power, his strength. And that's the perspective of who this Jesus is. He's, he's, he's the only answer. And so Rahab recognizes that, you know what? Uh, the doom is coming and all of us alike are in trouble. And there's this hope. I've got these, these guys here. And so uh, she makes them promise to treat her kindly, just in the same way that she's treated them kindly, and to, to save her family from, from death. And so they make a deal with her of, of that, and then she lets them down by a rope outside of her window, which is actually built into the wall of the city. And then it says in verse 18, Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie a scarlet cord 
in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother and brothers and all your father's household. And if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, uh, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is in your house, his blood shall be on our head. So, basically, man, if you put everybody in the house and you put the red cord in the window... We're going to see the red cord, and of all the destruction, everything is being destroyed, everybody, everything, but, but that's the safe place. Which, don't you love these stories, you know? Doesn't it, doesn't it feel like this sound, kind of sounds like the Passover? You know, the, the blood on the, on the, on the doorframe, and the, the angel of death is going to pass over those houses, but everybody else is in trouble. The firstborn of everyone else is going to die, but not, but not, not if, the, if the blood is there. Or the, the ark, you know, the, the flood is coming. And the people on the ark are the ones that are going to be saved. Those only. Everybody else is in trouble, but those only. Um, they're like, like these breadcrumbs that are, that are leading us right to this person of Jesus as the only hope. Those that are tied to him, those that believe in him, those that are, the, those are saved when everybody else is in trouble. Is that, is, that, is that good news? Or is it bad news? You know, sometimes... We talk about it being exclusive. It's like, oh, it's, it, it, why does it have to be just one way? There's, there's a whole lot of ways. All these other things are great. But the problem is the other things don't solve the problem. It's good news because there is a way. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, there would be no way. If there wasn't a red cord, then, then Rahab would just be like everybody else. Thank goodness. The spies came and, and, and she was able to do this and put the red cord in her window. And you think about... That day when, when, uh, when they're walking around the city and, and, uh, and, and there's this red cord in the window and you think about if there's like a, a, a kid, you know, one of the with little cousins and he's like playing over there by the window and he starts to untie the cord and take it out of the window. Think what grandma says. <laughs> think about that, that Christmas day, man. Put the cord. Don't touch the cord. Don't touch the cord. Because that's, that's, that's our hope for life. It's not just another decoration hanging in the window. That's our only hope. That's what this is about. By a cord of red, and it's the significance of even that it's, that it's red. Um, so when Israel gets to Jericho, it was shut up tight, and uh, inside and out, it says, and uh, God commands the, his people to, to walk around the city. And, uh, and it says in verse 16, when the priest had blown the trumpets and Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her and her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. Only Rahab the prostitute saved by a cord of red. And so this beautiful picture that that there's, there's one answer to this problem and that Rahab, the one of all the people in Jericho that gets to experience this salvation and become a part of the, the people of Israel. And you know, it's interesting to me that in the New Testament, Rahab is also mentioned a couple times, once in, in Hebrews and once in James. In Hebrews, it says this about her, uh, verse 30, 1130. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute, you notice uh, every one of these, when she's mentioned, she's always mentioned by that this is the reality of who she was and how incredible the love of God is. 
She did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So by faith, her, her faith saved her and her family. And then James, it says it this way, in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. J- James is saying that, man, this, it, was, it was the kind of faith and it was the kind of belief that caused her to take action. You know, I mean, for her to, to do that to the king when the king's asking, for her to, to help them put her life in danger, to tie the red cord. There were, there were steps that she took of, of action because her belief was real. You know, I thought about this if... Uh, if I had gone down to the beach in Phuket, Thailand, and had gone up and down telling everybody a tsunami, another tsunami's coming, you know, what, how would people react to me? <laughs> I actually was walking up and down, kind of looking around, thinking, just thinking that. Like, if I, would, would anybody run? Would anybody believe me? Would people say, oh, yeah, yeah okay, okay, appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for telling us, you know. The, the day that it happened, there was no warning. I actually had a friend that was there. There was, there was no warning. That's the reason. Everybody was just out on the beach, and all of a sudden the water went way, way back and exposed the bottom floor of the ocean, and they went, oh, no, and everybody started to, but it was, it was that quick. What if I said, hey, another one's, another one's coming? How would I know if somebody really did believe it, believe my message? If they ran, if they ran as fast as they could to their car and they started to get away and get as far away as they could from the beach, they would take action that's what James is saying is that this, this, this Rahab, man, it's, it's her faith. She believes and her faith is evidenced because she, she acted on it. Um, you know, each year it's a little bit of a fight with Terry and I. I'm like, do we really have to get all the, the decorations out? I mean, really? I mean, we're going to get them out. We're going to put it up and then we're going to put them right back, right? And, and you know what's funny is that, that we, all, we all do it. Because uh, I was just thinking about this idea of something being exclusive. It's like, um, you know, and basically, it's, it's all the same thing. Like, I went to your house, you come to my house. We basically got the same decorations up. I mean, we're, we're big in it because one of our first dates was that to go watch the Nutcracker. So we're big in the Nutcrackers. We've got a bunch of Nutcrackers. You might not have a Nutcracker, but you would at least go, oh, well, a Nutcracker is kind of a, a Christmas decoration, you know. All of us have conformed in some way to decorate our houses and if you didn't decorate your house, like something would be wrong, right? Like that's just what you're supposed to do. And you do it a certain way. It's not like I'm going to turn the Christmas tree upside down and try to, try to put it up or use a palm tree this year. Uh, maybe. What's that Hawaiian song? Christmas song? Maybe I just play that all the time. That is my favorite. But Mikaliki uh, Maka. Yeah, that's how it goes. No, but we've all conformed to that. There's this exclusive way that we do it. And we just all go, yeah, this, this is what we do. You know? This is, this, this is just what we do. And we don't think about it. There's a lot of things that we do in life that we don't think about the exclusivity of it. We come to this Jesus, it seems like everybody wants to say there's a lot of different ways. If there's a lot of different ways, then this holiday means absolutely nothing. But if he is the only hope, if he is the scarlet cord, then these days are significant. And this thing that we celebrate, we should celebrate big. Not just as a hope, as the hope. And I don't know what your tradition is, but on, uh, on Christmas morning, forever, uh, I guess when uh, the boys were old enough to realize what was going on, 
I just felt compelled. Like, man, we got, we got to make sure. We got to make sure that these kids get it. Because it feels like everything is, is saying something else. And I just want to make sure that we say it. And we got these little, a little toy set of the nativity. And outlaw ways, we'll drink some coffee. And then I'll, I'll make them wait in their rooms. And I'll just grab the, the little Jesus <laughs> and just walk in and, and lay him on their bed. And just, just take a second to say, hey, y'all, y'all realize Y'all realize what we're celebrating. We're going to do a lot of things today. But, but this, this is what it's about. And there's so much going on, and we get so busy, and we got so, it's, easy, it's easy to just get distracted by other things and to forget that the scarlet cord, the only way we can be made right with God and have hope, that's the thing we're celebrating, that he loved us that much. So even as we sing these songs... Let's just take a minute and not just, not just sing them again, songs that we're familiar with, but actually think about how significant this, this time is. Let me pray for us. Father, I am, I am uh, just aware as much as ever that there are a lot of things going on and it's easy to be distracted and it's easy, easy to forget that if it, if it weren't for you, for your love, to make it possible for us to be made right by the sacrifice of your son if it wasn't for his, his blood, for him overcoming death and making eternal life possible for us. If it, if it wasn't for him, then we, we've got no hope. I got nothing to bring to the table on my own strength. And so these celebration these days, please, if we are able to pause for a moment, please remind us, remind us that instead of our hearts melting in fear, of the doom that's deserved. Father, we, we get our hearts filled with hope, filled with life, uh, darkness, and you bring light and light it up. Father, let that be what we celebrate to your glory. Amen.